Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Today's episode has been sponsored by Pediatrician in Your Pocket at dr-gen.com. Dr. Jennifer Trachtenberg is a mother of three and a 20-plus-year pediatrician, board certified, who has called all of her amazing advice and made a series of five-minute videos on everything from feeding and sleeping to safety and all types of parenting issues, which basically every parent out there can use, especially in the middle of the night when you can't reach your pediatrician. So this is like a must do. And she's offering a discount to everyone with code PIP20. PIP20 is the code to get 20% off of all of her modules. So definitely go to dr-gen.com and check it out. It's also on a link in my website too, zibbyowens.com. I'm excited to be here today with both the authors of The Woman in the Park. Teresa Sorkin and Tulan Holmquist are co-authors of both the novel and the screenplay for The Woman in the Park. Tulan is an investigator, writer, and actress. Originally from Sweden, Tulan has a master's degree in political science from the University of Florence with literature and language degrees from universities in France and Italy. She has also studied screenwriting and acting at NYU and BU. 
She currently lives in New York with her husband and two sons. Teresa Sorkin is a TV producer and founder of Roman Way Productions, a graduate of New York University and Bocconi, I guess, Bocconi University of Milan. Teresa started as a journalist for RAI TV, for which she hosted her own show. She currently lives in New York with her husband and two children. So welcome, Teresa and Tulan. Thanks for coming on Moms Now Time to Read Books. Thank Thank you for having us. We love the podcast, so we're so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm like deep in my head in The Woman in the Park, having just finished (laughs) it. So I'm like really eager to talk to you about it. Okay, can you tell listeners, please, what The Woman in the Park is about? Well, it's a psychological thriller about a woman who is in her 40s and sort of dealing with a new stage of life. And she meets a man in the park one day and her life sort of unravels and there's lots of mystery, but it's also mystery of who she is as as a person. And we slowly find that out as the book goes on, which it's hard to say too much because there's a lot of things you want to find out because it's sort of twists and and things like that. And maybe it's, it's a mix between a whodunit and a who am I. That's <laughs> and a nice. And a psychological component, which we we really wanted to bring out this woman in the middle of her life. And, and it's set in New York, so the park mm-hmm. is Central Park, so as many ask, <laughs> the park is in. Yes, I recognized many. <laughs> like, which playground are they talking about? <laughs> so how did you two find each other, and how did you decide to embark on this project? Well, we met in the park, actually. Yes. No way. <laughs> we did. We're we moms. Did. Well, we're moms at the same school, mm-hmm. the Italian school, and, uh, in this uh, area, actually, where we where the book is, is set. And I and live in that area, too, so it's it's a very familiar place. We spent a lot of days where our children played in that park, and and both Tulan and I are, so I'm, I'm a TV film producer and writer, and Tulan's a writer, a screenwriter, and actor, and so we were collaborating. An investigator. Yeah. An investigator. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's an important part. <laughs> Private investigator. And we were just basically working, thought we'd work on something together, and we, we were working on something else, and then the story sort of came to us one day. Well, tell me more about that. How did it come to you? Tell me about that. Well, Where did it come we, from? We, we talked a lot about, like, you know, ourselves and how we connected. And, and I think we both connect. We're both very empathetic and, yes. and can feel a lot. And it's kind of at this stage in your life when you have kids and and this woman, Sarah Rock, she's married. She has two kids. And, and the kids are getting a little bit older. They're time to move on in some ways. And it's you kind of find yourself looking at your own life and who am I, what did I want to do, where do I want to go, and and you're kind of at a different stage in life, but you're still the same person inside in some ways, but in other ways not. So it was kind of, and and there was actually a woman that we used to see in the park that kind of sparked our imagination, let's put it, that was the seed, and it was, she was always by herself. She was alone in the park, beautiful, blonde, you know, woman, and we just started to both of us imagine what her story would be, what she was really doing. She she was there quite often, like, and... and, and we had different versions, yeah. actually, what we, we thought. So that was like, oh, this is interesting, because, right. you know, and, and one of us thought, oh, she's talking to herself. The other one thought she was on the phone. And, and we, but we, and we, we, yeah. we, we saw her all the time, and it was just this kind of very different... She seemed to to maybe not know who she was or where she was, and it was just an interesting, what if what if that were me? What if I don't really know what, you know? And then I have a good friend who's the head of Bellevue Hospital for 25 years. His name is Dr. Simone Ahmed. So we started asking him questions about what a certain disorder would look like 
in, in that space? And what if this woman had something like that? So we did a lot of case study research to really get the psychological component perfect because we didn't want to, you know, make it seem frivolous or just brush upon it. It, it needed to really feel real for us. So, yeah. Was Therese Reckon one of your favorite books? How did that, Emile Zola, you, it was scattered at the beginning of every chapter. You had a little quote and it coursed throughout the book. How did you pick that? So I love Therese Reckon. It's one of my favorite all-time thrillers ever because it's about, again, this madness and, and this thriller. Like, cause For me and for Toulon, when we were discussing it, is that sometimes just the thrilling, like what's going on inside of you is so much more scary than what's actually happening outside and with Therese Reca, and that was happening quite a bit. And so we really wanted her to have something that she she would go back to, and we tied in a lot of her imagination with what was happening in the book and the characters. And It was kind of like a mirror to her yes. story in, in some ways, and that's the kind of the... She goes to the park to read, so that is the, the the kind of the anchor that brings her, that follows along the whole story. Mm. And you talked a lot about when Sarah is sitting outside Central Park, where she used to play with her kids, and her character, she's feeling a little bit sad, a little piece of melancholy as she's sitting there. And you say, she reflects how, I'm quoting, she remembered those days fondly, and she had felt a slight pang of jealousy as she as she had once also had so much hope, so much engagement with her life. The kids had needed her, Eric had needed her, life had been so busy, so full. She'd taken it for granted that it would always feel that way. And now, dot, dot, dot. So did you draw on your own experience, or your how old are your kids? Or did, is this from a place of you know, personal experience or how you imagine this time of life might be? I think we both have, have definitely, we've talked about this mm-hmm. a lot. There's a kind of, when the kids are very small, you're such a full and intense life and you're kind of like, almost you want to get out of that stage, but then it's then it shifts so quickly. My kids are a little bit younger than Teresa's. Yeah. I have a 12-year-old and a um, few more weeks, he's going to be eight. <laughs> so, but. Me. I think I think I drew upon the sadness more because my kids are a bit older. My son's 16 and my daughter's 13. So it's sort of when they're little and you're in the park and you're you're living in the moment a lot more than when they get older. As they get older, you're living not as much in the moment because you're planning, well, they're going to have to go to college and then what? And that's, you know, in the park, it's the moment. Are they going to fall? Are they playing? You're talking to your friend. It's it's really sort of, um, I would say, hold on to those moments because they're so precious and special. And then it does become a little sad. It's exciting to think your your children are successful and they're moving on and they're doing wonderful things. But it is sad to think that you know they won't be there for you to take to the park as you did once upon a time. So that was, I think, more me in the moment today as, you know, and you in the future, maybe. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, I think future. it's the nature of human beings. I mean, it is constant change and we have different phases in life. So, and, and there's always you know, the, the light and the dark and, and good things and bad things. But with kids, it gets so, it's true when they're small, it's so, you have to be in the moment. You can't really be anywhere else because it's always ever changing. But 
but then they, they, you want them to go on and live their lives. But it's an adjustment, I think, <laughs> as a parent. It's <laughs> you said on this topic, you said no in the book, no one had ever told her, meaning Sarah, that being a parent involves so much loss, all that significance a child would never understand, so wonderful and frightful at the same time. And then you go on to say about the playground area, how it was no place for adults without children, even those who had once been mothers. And I thought that was so interesting because are you not a mother when your kids go away? Or like, can you not maintain that identity? Do you know what I mean? Like, can you not call yourself a mother? I mean, I think, what do you think? I think for Sarah, she felt that way because we wanted her to really emphasize this feeling of she lost that ability to be a mother. For me, myself, obviously you're a mother forever and they need you no matter what, even when they're, you know, 35 or, and it's a different stage in a different place. But she was, she, Sarah, is in this space of who is she and she's not this, she's not that. She's experienced loss and trauma of some sort that, and she feels that has been taken away from her as well, which we learn later on why and what what the impetus for that was. But no, not it's more her and her reflection of her mind, really. And I think it was also, I mean, the way we felt about this particular, it was kind of like there's so much love that instant that you mm-hmm. become a mom or a dad. I'm sure it's the same. There's so much love, but there's also so much fear that that is born with it in the same moment that you didn't even know that you had. I mean, I d- definitely discovers parts of myself yeah. that I didn't know existed, um, <laughs> and and it's you know in, both for the good and the bad. But it's 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 oh, an yeah. interesting thing to ponder. Before I, I had kids, I would jump out of a plane, no problem. I was like, <laughs> right. what? Jump off a cliff and cry, Capri? Okay, let's do it. Now I'm like, oh my god, I can't even you know do anything without worrying. They're going to not have a mother if I die. So it's just the whole, your whole world changes in that instant. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. And we wanted her to be vulnerable because I think a lot of people don't get it. They see these beautiful women who seem to have it all and everything seems perfect. And meanwhile, it's, it's never perfect. No one has no fear. Right. Yeah. I feel like... I alternate my worrying between something happening to a child of mine or something happening to me. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Right, right. Which is, yeah. I mean, anyway, like, what if, what would they do without, I mean, they would be fine eventually without, you know what I mean? They would be but fine. But still, I'm like, how could, I have to be so careful with me and yes. I have to be so careful with them because, God forbid, you know, could I even, yeah. anyway. It's my own neuroses. <laughs> I could call everyone's, everyone's <laughs> and you almost you, it's like you need to suddenly a new method of how yes. you steer your mind to to the positive and right. not not and again, drown live in, in that moment. worry and, and right live right. in the moment. It's hard to do that as as um, you know as a mother, but as a human being in general. But as a mother, it's even harder to just live in that moment without all the what ifs. Right. Yeah, I've been experimenting with deciding not to worry about certain things yeah. and seeing if I can actually do that. I do the I had same. this like <laughs> flight that I had to, it had to be on time or it would be a big mess if I was late. And I was like, it's going to be fine. I'm not going to worry about it. I can't worry about it. I just right. can't. And I didn't. And it worked out. And I was like, wait, is this the answer? <laughs> <laughs> is it that simple? You know, like, oh, this health scare, is it going to be good news or bad news? 
I'm not gonna worry about it. It's gonna be fine. And it was yeah. fine. So See, I don't know. Great. I don't know. I'm it's experimenting. It's wisdom to know like when you can change things and when you yeah, can't. Exactly. And when you can't, there's no point yeah. really. Yeah. But it's yeah. hard. It takes training. It I takes think. training. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then it might backfire because I could have easily <laughs> missed that plane. Um, I think children are such a learning. I mean, they yeah. they teach us so much. You know, the whole experience. So it's if you see it in that way, I think it's the yes. then it's the joy of life somehow. <laughs> I actually, my heart went out to your character, Sarah, and I felt like there's so many moments I could relate to with her. In the beginning, she's looking in the mirror, sort of assessing herself and her aging. And I mean, what mom, our age, has not like had a moment where they're like, oh my gosh, anyway. And she she's looking at her body and saying like, is that why I'm so upset? Is it my aging body or the wrinkles or whatever else? And says, was that really the problem? No, she could hide those changes under her clothes. Her eyes were the real difference. Those seas of blue sadness with nothing to hide behind. And she also thinks in that moment how she's feeling so trapped. How could she feel lost, trapped in her own home? So tell me about that moment in the mirror. Is that, again, is that, did you guys have that moment? I mean, I know I've had a moment like that. For sure. I mean, definitely I've had it. (laughs) Yes, I've had, I mean, I've had it in a different way, in different moments. And, but it's funny because you don't notice the changes until it's like all all of a sudden one day you're like, oh my God, my stomach isn't just, it doesn't matter how many soul cycles I go to or how much gym or, you know, whatever. And sometimes it's too much and people overdo it Mm -hmm. to get back to what you were. It's just not going to happen. You have to accept it. And I think, you know, Sarah's struggling with that as well because, and like we all do. So that for sure was something I've experienced. And And I think there's a deep fear. I I don't know. I've, I've had nightmares my whole life unfortunately I mean they're come and go but but there's a kind of a fear I think um, many have felt that you kind of you don't know where you are Mm -hmm. and that I I felt like that that really fit with this Sarah had that feeling of kind of she doesn't she wakes up she doesn't really know where, where she is or who she is and that I mean, I can definitely relate to that. I've moved around a lot. Especially. And, <laughs> you especially. travel a lot. You kind of, sometimes you wake up, you don't really know. And if you're like dreaming that you're your 25-year-old self and you wake up and you're like not, <laughs> it's a shock in the mirror. You're like, oh, wait a yeah. minute. That's not who I am. And even the fact that she could tell that her eyes looked sad. I feel like sometimes you can't tell that about yourself. But right. she could see it. Right. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I thought that was really cool. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is sponsored by Better Help. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. 
it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. For me, my cousin in Italy, um, my parents are Italian. She would always say to me that I had sad eyes or, you know, my, you know, eyes sometimes showed sadness. So that came Mm. to me a little bit when I was writing that because, I mean, my mother was a very difficult personality growing up, which is a little bit of why I'm interested in psychology so much. And, And so I think... I think our eyes really, the whole experience of our lives are in your eyes, regardless. So wait, I want to hear more about what you just said about your growing up. Can you tell, do you want to talk any more about what? Oh, no, no, it's fine. Because I I mean, I've I've opened up a lot about it in the the past few years, especially. But no, my mother was very mentally and sometimes physically abusive to both myself and my brother, more so to me. And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that she never really grew up, you know, she's almost very childlike. And we had to treat her more like the child than the parent. And my dad was kind and sweet and, and he tried the best he could, but he couldn't really manage her so much. So she ended up being very, which is why I developed a love for books and stories because I would read or go into the corner and, you know, hopefully she wasn't in a bad mood today. And to this day, she's she's still that way. And so so I've had to distance myself from her to protect myself. But does she know that she's like that? She, no, no. Yeah. no. She, I mean, she she's... Like mommy dearest, you know, like something will trigger and then all of a sudden she goes off and it could be anything and she'll never apologize or, but it's been quite scary abusive things, like things she would say that would be just really awful. And so I, I learned to cope with that as a child. And then as an adult, it sort of helped me in ways in, in certain aspects of my life because I was able to, like nothing shocked me. You know, no mean person at work or in my business could ever, anything they said, I would didn't, never flinched because it was nothing compared to what I dealt with as a child. And I think it also made me a, be- a better mother because I'm totally 100% the opposite of what she would ever be. And so, but I think that sadness is always in in me and in my, you know, eyes or my voice or the, the way I even, you know, relate in general to people sometimes because of it. And we all have something. Sarah had her trauma from her childhood. Toulon has her stuff that she deals so with. Let's go into Toulon stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> let's just get it off the table. Thank you for sharing well, that. Of course. Did you have a, a similar experience? Um, well, I lost up, my or? father young as a teenager, so that was a, 
I, I would say that was a big trauma in my life. I mean, I moved around a lot, which was both beautiful in some ways as a family, but it was also hard. I changed schools many times. We moved to different countries, and it was very exciting in some ways, but also it, it, it's traumatic as a kid, I think, to to, to all your friends. Suddenly you, you uprooted and, and moved and... And it was like in first grade and then in fifth grade, uh, four, yeah, in fifth grade and then in sixth grade. And then, so it's, yeah, it's been many. And then my father passed away when I was 17. So then I, I realized that put a kind of a, I mean, for good and for bad too. I mean, it was, it was so difficult at the time, but I also learned to really take advantage of the moment and, and, and my family. And, and uh, I think with my mother and my sisters, we became very close. But it's something you don't, you just learn to live with it. It's not, I mean, I still miss him. And then I lost my mother last year. So it's, oh, it's, that's I'm been really, sorry. it's been a year of very, while we were, while we were writing this, actually, it was, uh, it helped me, I must say, I sat up many nights, you know, kind of, she was very sick at the end and I, it, it helped me. I was also far away and she lived in Italy and it was, but it's, I mean, it's part of life. We all have loss, and, but I think you can, it's an easier way to connect then. And it's also, I think it's a beautiful way to connect then on a more deeper level. Yeah, but, you, uh, could, you could feel it in this book. Like, that's why I kept asking, is this from personal experience? Because <laughs> I just felt like there was so much real, like there was so much, it just felt too real to be complete fiction as most, I mean, most novels come from some place, but still it just, I'm not like surprised to hear not that I wanted to hear it, <laughs> oh, but you could, I'm trying to say this in a positive way, that you could feel it in the book that it felt very authentic, despite Thank it being you. fiction. Okay. And I'm sorry yes. it came from a place of pain, but. No, um, and we also wanted, it's not, we all, there's a fine line between, you know, we all have maybe an infatuation with someone or we sometimes don't know yeah. who we are or so on. And then there's a. Of course, there's another level where it becomes a psychosis, or right. but but somewhere we can all connect, and we yes. all have worries and and, mm-hmm. and dark things, and and I think if we can understand each other better yeah. through, and that's the beauty of books, I think, in art Absolutely. in general, we, we can connect on a different level and can be helpful too to know that I'm not the only one feeling this way. I mean, I know in my growing up too, I asked a lot of questions always, even sometimes just in my mind or just reading too. It just really helps to know that <laughs> there's other people, there are other people that, that feel the same way. I agree. That's the whole thing is trying to make people feel not alone, right? right. I mean, that's the worst is to feel such pain in whatever right. way and think it's just you right. somehow. It makes you feel better knowing that other people, it's like that you're not weird. Exactly. Whatever. I don't know. Especially certain times of the year, like this, during this time of the year, it's, you know, people feel much lonelier. And so you just really want, and sometimes what does that loneliness take you to? Who mm-hmm. knows? So we wanted to really explore that part of it and drawing upon, you know, stuff that we've gone through was helpful for sure. But we, but we wanted it from her perspective, so it kind of is a small, especially yeah. in the beginning, it's a kind of a small world, and we did that on purpose. It's yeah. not a touristy version of yeah. New York or so yeah. on. It's her, how she sees yeah. her daily life. At the beginning, the- I was like, wait, I thought this was a thriller. Yeah, because it was, <laughs> I'm like, this is just like a scene out of my life. You know, like, we're just like hanging out in the park and like walking up Fifth Avenue. Anyway, right. how did you both bring your other jobs into this? I want to hear a little more about your investigative background <laughs> and being a, like a producer. How did you, how did those lenses sort of inform the writing of this? 
Well, I th- well, for my investigative work, I do a lot of corporate investigations on fraud and due diligence and internal investigations and so on. And I think it's just, it, it's similar to the writing, I think, because it's it's about, well, like I mentioned, just questioning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always interested in how things work mm-hmm. and of how people, and especially people, what, mm-hmm. what makes people tick and, and why do people do things. And it's kind of similar, actually. You just have to get behind people's mind. And, and I love that. And I always put myself in the situation too. Like, what if if this is me? What how what do what, how do I feel about this? And also because we had Sarah had to become the investigator at at one point and to save herself. Mm-hmm. So we wanted, and that's helpful with Toulon's background and what the right questions to ask would be, mm-hmm. and and all of that. So because then it did become much more of an accelerated thriller at, at one point when you realize something is awry, she realizes it at the same time we realize it as the reader. Mm -hmm. So, and we wanted that purposely so that the reader is on the same journey as Sarah completely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because of our back, well, my background as a producer and film person, which I've been doing for quite a while, and and fortunately and unfortunately, I was developing for about six years for the Weinstein Company, basically consulting on all their projects. And we wrote this at first as a screenplay because, and it reads very cinematic in many ways. So I think we brought that structure to our writing, which helps a lot because we see things Mm -hmm. in scenes visually. And even though it's a literary experience, you as a reader always visualize. And so we want that experience even more. So as I think a film person, that helped a lot. And the structure is just kind of, similar to writing a novel, actually, writing a screenplay. It's just, it's kind of the bones, and then you fill it all in with the rest. <laughs> you know? I think that's how we work together, because yeah. mm-hmm. working in two, we kind of, we thought through the whole story, kind of like a film, and then and then we took turns writing. So yeah. that's... Did you do different chapters each, or how did you... No, it was more organic, like we right, would yeah. write for a big chunk, kind of. But, but we had the story together. We so knew what we, the twists were going to be, the plot points and where we wanted them to happen. And then we filled in, you know, her life and journey. And, and But it was it was always going to the same place. But so she, took, the she took on her own life. Yeah, I mean, as we kind of then, yeah. You kind of create a character yeah. and then they, and then they, they take off. Kind yeah. of, so that's the, the fun part of it. You, you we, we set up the scene, let's say, and, and then we let her speak. Mm-hmm. So are there plans for this to be a movie? So, yes, yes. We, we've been working... <laughs> quite diligently on that. It was actually part of on the Weinstein slate Mm -hmm. before everything happened and that whole craziness, which was inevitable and I'm happy it did happen the way it did. But so now we have it with our agent who's brought it to certain talent who's interested in it. And we'll have some news soon, hopefully. Um, But yes, that it's either a film or it's a TV series, like a yeah, like yeah, a limited, a limited yeah. TV series. Yeah, you're like all the best things are limited. Now. I know. <laughs> like, who even wants a well, movie? Because, yeah. because it's just a different world. Yeah. Nobody yeah. goes to the movies anymore like they used to. It's very rare. So, and yeah. are you two planning on writing more books together? Yes. Yes. <laughs> are you already doing one? Yes, yes we, we are. are. We're we're deep into the second novel, which is also you know a psychological thriller with elements of the woman in the park and about 
So sort of a parallel story, not yes. not not exactly a sequel. Right. Just, so just, it'll all kind the of woman in the playground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A woman on the, the beach. Dog in the playground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a man on the reservoir. <laughs> <laughs> this I'll one stop. we we have a little bit of an ensemble here, so there's more characters, which and their experience as friends. You know, sometimes we think we know our friends, and and we think we know what's going on, and Really, we don't. And then it all culminates. We're, we're, we have them on a trip together, sort of like a, a summer trip before their kids go off to college. Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. You can, I can just, like, follow this through my whole life. I'm just going to go through all the life stages <laughs> as we get older. Yeah, exactly. I'll come back to you in, like, 20 years and be like, okay, I'm about to be a grandmother. I, I need a thriller about— Grandmother um, on the yeah. cruise ship. Exactly, exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you have any advice to aspiring authors? Well, I would say write and, re- and read a lot. And write what you, what you like. Don't worry so much about what, what other people, but take yourself seriously, I think, in, in a good way, like in find the joy. And, and, and I think the way finds itself, like I've always been writing and, and there were times I was very frustrated about it, but then it's kind of like you just have to, no, I love this more than anything else. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do it either if one person reads it or no one, yep. but this is really important to me. And, and then it, I think the ways kind of open up somehow. And I would say read a lot of like your genre that you're going to write because that just trains your brain to write that way. And also go to places like BookCon and these conventions and meet people because in meeting people that are in the industry, they can always help you to get to that next level as you're writing and and doing your craft as best you can. Because there's a lot of room for a lot of voices and stories out there. And I think, don't give up on like, oh, I'm never going to get it done, blah, blah, blah. Just really try. Excellent. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for coming and sharing your your own experiences. Thank you. Thanks for writing the book. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, the award-winning podcast. Today's episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books was sponsored by Pediatrician in Your Pocket by Dr. Jennifer Trachtenberg, dr-gen.com. Enter code PIP20, PIP20, for 20% off of these can't-miss modules that will make your parenting life so much easier. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.